Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, welcome. It's the last day of August in the hellhole known as 2020. It's a Monday. Uh... We are heading into uncharted territory. Uh, The Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, in a apparently uh, uh, last minute and quickly cobbled together uh, trip, is coming here to Pittsburgh this afternoon, uh, Hazelwood specifically, I believe, uh, to address the growing violence and incitement to violence by the current president. Um, make no mistake, we are at a frightening point, and I guess we better tighten our seat belts. And uh, get ready, because this is going to get, uh, well, it already is frightening, if you're paying any attention. But it will get more so, I believe. Um, Where to start? One thing uh, that... Uh, clearly uh, is happening. Now, let me just try to talk this out in my own head, is that we know and have known for some time that America is an incredibly divided nation, probably no, uh, never before as divided um, since the Civil War. And it appears we're heading into what looks like a potential civil war of sorts. So Americans are divided, and I think we can safely say that Americans are scared. People who are on our side of the divide are terrified of what the other side could bring to us, apparently quite willing to bring to us. Um, We are terrified by the openly autocratic, neo-fascistic leanings of the president and his uh, enablers. We are terrified of being here when this grand experiment called the United, get that, the United States of America dies. And I was trying to, the other night, think of the other side of terrified Americans. Because their fear is real, too. It is that they are afraid of different things than we are afraid of. They are not afraid of slipping into autocracy. They find the autocratic tendencies of Donald Trump comforting. Because they want order. They want an America that reminds them of the America that they knew. Now, what they knew, what they remembered, might be a little gauzy and airbrushed. But it is the America that we were all 
taught, taught about, that we all learned to love and cherish. They're fearful of losing the America that they pledged allegiance to as children in school. And their America was one in which they felt safe, in which the policemen were nice and you went to them if you needed help. It was an America where white people were clearly in charge and black and brown people were clearly not. We all were taught the same skewed history. I guess the people who wrote the history books were fearful that they could not inculcate us with love of this country if they showed us the total story of this country. So they simply excised the unbecoming parts and left it to us to, at some point, educate ourselves. That happened for me when I went away to college. And I arrived at uh, Northwestern University outside of Chicago um, in 1966. And I was an American who had been educated by the American system um, and had not been taught about so much of our history. And when I went to college, I started taking classes and I was stunned at what I was being taught because it seemed to cancel out so much of what the last 12 years of education had poured into my head. It was all those sort of untidy, uncomfortable realities of American history. And so I learned and I became angry that I was misled. I, I'll never forget the feeling I had of betrayal. So I'm thinking that those who, after getting this fairy tale, mythological story of our country poured into our heads K through 12. That if that was all the education we had, that if you didn't go off to college, you never were disabused. (laughs) You never had the chance I had. It's not that everybody who went to college, uh, I guess, did get disabused, but it wasn't that I stopped caring about my country, but I wanted to help move it in a better direction. But for so many people who've never been at a point in their lives when they're young, when they're able to take in new information, who have not been offered that information, that same airbrushed picture of what America should be just remains so 
clear. And again, it is, it's not a true picture. And the people that I'm now so afraid of, my fellow Americans, are people who think that skewed picture is the truth of America. And that someone like me is trying to tear it away from them, which I guess in some ways I am. They still want to see the nice policeman on the street is there to protect them. And if they're white, chances are it's still true. Seeing the flag, hearing the national anthem, it it makes them feel so proud. And they want to keep that. It's in their blood, in their bones. It was in my blood and bones, too, and to a certain extent still is. Oh, shut the fuck up. It still is. So I don't know what we do uh, in this country of terrified people, some of whom are able to see that we are a very complicated country and that we need to repair ourselves and others who simply can't go there, who see, who look backward, not forward. And they're terrified by people like us who want to shake their reality up who tell them things they don't want to hear. They're terrified. We're terrified. And the only way our side is going to win this upcoming election is if we can persuade more Americans of what they should be afraid of because fear is ruling us. Some people, I think, see the threat to this nation, clearly, that'd be me. (laughs) Others see the threat incorrectly because it demands of them that they be able to get comfortable with change and it is not something that humans readily do change it throws us off balance we aren't sure where we're going the landscape changes things seem different and different scary to a lot of people And there are people, you know, personality types for whom change is absolutely so terrifying, cannot go there. And so they they thrill to the person like a Trump who comes on all bombast and tells them, I'll keep you safe. Right. The big daddy thing. So I, I really think, guys, and this is something that Democrats have not been good at doing, at framing the narrative, at finding a way to clearly show an undecided voter 
where the threat is. What to fear. And I hope Biden, when he comes here this afternoon, I hope he is armed with some cogent, bumper sticker-like verbiage that can start this so important effort to tell a terrified nation what it should be fearful of. So Biden's coming here today. Trump, meanwhile, is going to Kenosha tomorrow. Not that anybody invited him. He sees an opportunity, of course, to foment, to incite those Americans inclined to be fearful of what he is selling them. The governor of the state has written written to Trump yesterday and asked him to please, please reconsider. Don't come. He said in part when I visited Kenosha last week, what I saw was a community working to deal with the trauma and pain of these events and extreme loss. They are exhausted and heartbroken with a division that has ripped apart their community. And then he just flat out said, it is our job, he says to Trump, as elected officials to lead by example and to be a calming presence for the people who we know are hurting and mourning and trying to cope with the trauma. Now is not the time for divisiveness. Now is not the time for elected officials to ignore armed militants and out-of-state instigators who want to contribute to our anguish. He goes on and on, literally begging, respectfully asking, please do not make this worse. And of course... Donald Trump eagerly intends to come. You know, watching, whether you did or not, the Republican convention, you saw it laid out, and you can see how compelling their vision of a nation coming apart at the seams would be for the terrified people on their side and who could be pulled to their side. And never mind that a lot of the pictures that were shown were shown of, of, of you know, violence in the city were pictures that occurred 
because Trump sent those federal cops to Portland to mix things up, to get the video that they needed, that they knew they needed. And the insanity of Trump showing these pictures of violence, uh, which, by the way, is nowhere near as spread. I mean, if you live in Portland, you're living your life. It is a very tiny little part that is seeing this, right? People are going about their lives leading it. So this, this ridiculous story and narrative of America's cities on fire and, you know, filled with crime and craziness is, of course, not true. What is true is that most of the violence in America, the domestic violence in America, has come from the people who support Donald Trump. Ask the FBI. Ask any any agency that tracks violence in America. Attacks, attacks by the right wing and plots by right wing agitators account for the vast majority of all terrorist incidents in this country for the last 20 years. Right-wing extremists perpetrated two-thirds of the attacks and plots in the United States last year, and over 90% so far this year. And by far, most of the attacks, deaths, were by right-wing agitators during Trump's presidency. And for him to sell this lie about American violence being perpetrated by the left cannot be allowed to stand. I mean, my God, how do they have, well, they have the temerity. How do they have the temerity to Show us those pictures, <coughs> those videos that they <coughs> cobbled together for their convention <coughs> and for their attack ads against Biden and say this is what Joe Biden's America will look like when they're pictures of Donald Trump's America. How do they... How do how could we let them sell that crap? It's Donald Trump's America, the pictures. It was Donald Trump who said when he was running for the presidency that I will protect you and none of these things will happen. I alone, right? I alone can do it. Well, we've had him for four years and look. Look at the pictures of America now. 
It is Donald Trump's America. This is what they're going to be selling. It's quite clear. And it is so cynical. My God. Do you know what state has the highest violent crime rate? It's a red state, of course. Alaska. You know what state has the lowest crime rate? Mm. It's got a Democratic governor. Maine. And they have people like Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. These con men. These crooks. Trying to tell us that our cities are uninhabitable. Rudy Giuliani, who had the gall to get up at the Republican convention and talk darkly about the 319 murders in New York City last year, despite the fact that there were twice as many when he was the mayor. Despite the fact that his chief of police went to prison, despite the fact that Rudy's probably going to end up in prison, despite the fact that Rudy and two of his associates have already been indicted. But here's the deal. This is what they got, because they got nothing else. They don't even have a platform. They don't even have one written policy of where they will take this country. (laughs) Right. Not a one. The only thing they've got is their lies. And their shamelessness. And their incredible ability to sow fear. I have a caller, I believe. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Oh, for Christ's sake. Come on, guys. If you call in, just hang in there for a little bit. God damn it. I didn't keep you waiting that long. Stop and think what these right-wingers are doing now. Um, They are... What happens when, like, uh, this despicable... St. Louis couple who sees black people, unarmed black people marching into their neighborhood past their house. They, like so many good Americans, see imminent death. I'm going to kill. I'm going to be killed. They race out of their house with firearms. Point them at unarmed protesters brandish them, and then they are rewarded. They are rewarded by Donald Trump and the Republicans with a national podium and spotlight at the convention in which they darkly tell anybody listening that these protesters, these black people are coming to get you. And you've got to protect yourselves. Not surprising that the next night, a 17-year-old kid, armed, 
shoots three protesters, kills two. And now he, the 17-year-old, is being held up by Trump's people as a hero. A hero. Over $200,000 has been raised for his defense. The people that are doing crowdfunding for him say this of his act. Kyle Rittenhouse just defended himself from a brutal attack by multiple members of the far leftist group Antifa. That's a lie. The experience was undoubtedly a brutal one, as he was forced to take, he was forced to take two lives to defend his own. And now he is being unfairly charged with murder. This site, by the way, is the largest Christian fundraising site. We have a caller. Hello. Hello. Um, Hi. I'm a little bit behind, but uh, I heard for the first time, you know, you were talking about how there was no platform last week. Mm -hmm. I heard that there actually was a platform, which was you had to declare allegiance to Trump. Uh, That was reported this morning on NPR. But that's basically the platform. Well, that's the platform of a of a uh, of a dictator. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but I'm um, curious why I heard they've been saying on that network for a week. Well, I I'm not, I haven't heard that. So I have no, not I heard that. Well, so uh, it'd be interesting to know where they got that information from because uh, I, I mean it doesn't sound outlandish, does it? It sounds perfectly plausible. That There's nothing it, surprising about it. No, no, nothing. I think it's true, but uh, it's what you know. What the, their platform, yes, would be essentially whatever he does, it's okay with us. That would be it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think that is that's basically yeah. that was my understanding of yeah yeah what they meant. Uh, I'll try to find. Okay, that'd be great if you if you find you know where that is. I don't think they called it the platform because in fact, um, what I had seen is that the RNC flat out said there will be no uh, that there will not be the the same platform. They said it was you know they were saying they were using the same platform as As last time because that's what and I'm paraphrasing but that's what propelled him. Yeah. victory or whatever, and then they said the only thing that was different this time was that you had to declare allegiance to Trump. <laughs> Anyways, I'll try Jeez. to find it. And find it God <laughs> almighty. Uh, All right. But yeah, it was really bizarre. I, I, uh, I had to turn it... I'm not listening to much news. I'm doing one of those things you do every once in a while. Yeah, um, no, I, I think that's wise. <laughs> it is really yeah, wise. You, because it's getting... <laughs> yeah, we got... You know what? We've got to uh, pace ourselves because this is terrifying. And I am now of the opinion that, in fact, um, we could be heading into, uh, yeah, a flat-out civil war, a constitutional crisis unimaginable, and a a, a rigged election, and every... I can't even begin. And let us remember that the Supreme Court we have is a Republican court. Right, and I remember uh, what's maybe you know three, maybe just after the last election or leading up to it. I remember hearing scholars. I don't remember where they were interviewed, but they were saying that this was not the same as 1930s Germany because there were no gangs in the streets beating up people. And so I, <laughs> I would love to find to see if that guy is still yeah, saying yeah, yeah. the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because here, no, this is so, the 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 my God. If you know, yes, uh, German history from the late 20s into the 30s, we are mirroring it. We are flat out mirroring it. 
and right. the, and yeah. Trump's you know calling these uh, these thugs and gangs that are coming to cause and incite more violence and provoke are um, you know calling them patriots. He is actively actively fomenting right. a shooting well, war in the streets. The, uh, the parts that still make me, because I have to look for things to kind of chuckle about, is his, his uh, claim to be the law and order president. And, you know, <laughs> as he's stating this sentence, you know, leaving all of that aside, he's stating the sentence as he's violating the Hatch Act. So, well, right. Oh, who cares? So, right. Right. I know. It's just funny. That and how like, is he a law? Yeah, but wait. How is he a law and order president if these pictures of absolute chaos in America are on his watch. Well, yeah, I don't know why that's not pointed out more frequently. Every well, that's time. what the Democrats yeah, have to do. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where, but <laughs> but the, well, because you know, because are we? I don't know if anybody are they even having people go door to door like because uh, all I've been volunteering for so far is phone banking, but I, I haven't heard anything about going. I have no idea, frankly. I mean, uh, people are afraid to open their doors. I don't know. Well, I know. That's what I don't know. So, anyway, yeah. Um, that was that was it. Um, well, thank you. To, if you find down. a source for that, yeah, let me know. Yeah, it was Seriously. definitely uh, all. It was definitely morning edition this morning, but I'll, I'll yeah. try to find the exact little thing and send it to you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. Lloyd writes something that is scaring me too. Um, you know, he notes that Trump is, you know, the, the full direction of their campaign uh, platform is hate and crime. You know, hate, crime, fear, blah, 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 blah. And then Lloyd says this, and this is true, and the networks love it because Biden's boring. Trump gives them talking points. Doesn't matter, he doesn't have a platform. Biden's boring. Trump. And Lloyd says we are losing our country. Well, you know, media are complicit. And uh, their idea of coverage of this most important election is unchanged from any other election. It's the horse race crap. It's whatever running off after anything Trump says. And Brian Stelter on CNN was arguing very eloquently uh, this weekend that what media need to do is focus on what's going on in our country to the people who live in it as we head into this most important election. People are suffering. I talked about a certain kind of fear when I opened the show, but the reality is, is that some people have a more basic fears in their lives right now. Like, how can I keep from getting evicted when I don't have a job and it's not my fault? I'm trying desperately to get some money from somewhere, but now I'm going to be evicted. My family's going to be homeless during a pandemic. Americans are hurting. And if we had a media that was not corrupted by the lust for money, they would be showing Americans what America looks like now. Americans know, but their stories aren't told. Media does nothing but run after Trump's tweets. He had 90 t- 
tweets starting at 6 a.m. yesterday morning, 90 tweets before I'd even gotten out of bed, and they were all crazed, deranged, and trying to foment division. People living on the edge, as so many Americans are, don't give a damn what Trump tweets. And media should do its job. I have a caller. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike, still in DC. Hi, Mike. Hi, hi. A question about the media. So when did this turn? Because if it led, it led, isn't new for Trump, right? It was there, there, even when you were on TV. So what was the big change when the, when the news department was separated or added into the entertainment section or when they were required to make money? Um, when they, when did it change? Well, it, well, first of all, Part of the change is when these big uh, corporations uh, gained ownership. Like who owned? Bought it. Bought it. Yeah. Okay. And what is there? What is the you know the the raise own debt for uh, for uh, a corporation to make money for their shareholders? How do you make money if you're a TV uh, network? You attract an audience and hold them. Well, you don't show boring Biden, but you do show deranged Trump. So capitalism is one out. There's no way around this now. Well, capitalism definitely is, uh, yeah, part of the problem. I don't know. This is where we've ended up. This is where we've ended up. And maybe it was inevitable. Because we're all so greedy. We've been we've been programmed. We've been pro. I, I said thirty years ago that we have been essentially told not to worry about paying attention. Uh, you know, of being uh, the idea of being a good citizen has given way gave way long ago to uh, the role of being a good consumer. That's all that we are. The us pawns in their game. We need to keep consuming. They need to keep us consuming. They have made everything in to entertainment, to attract us. It's how Donald Trump became the president. This was a more entertaining show, different. Looked a lot like what people were, you know, sort of used to seeing, a reality TV show. And Americans have been dumbed down, and we are. We've been taught greed is good. We chase after the newest crap. I know we're we're a, we're a bloated, um, unserious uh, culture, and uh, I think we're just you know the chickens are coming home to roost. Is civics even taught in high school anymore? I don't think it is. It's called civics. Yeah, I did too. You brought in the newspaper and you talked about stories you read and you registered Mm -hmm. to vote and you learned about electoral college and now I guess they don't. No, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Well, one upside is a friend of mine watched the Republican convention and he said, boy, we're in trouble because the stagecraft of that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, nobody under 40, he's 50. Nobody under 40 watches TV. They watch, we, you know, they watch Netflix and TikTok and, and um, Amazon Prime. They're not watching the RNC thing. You know, so it could be that they're making the best horse and buggy ever possible. But if everybody, if nobody's driving a horse and buggy or nobody under 40 is in a horse and buggy, they just turn their nose to us. They just turn their nose to old people and, you know, walk the other way. So they may be getting really good at that. And I didn't watch, so I wouldn't know. But 
the real question is, is that model of media still viable and does it does it get people other than the people interested in it to be interested in it? I don't know, but you know they're you know they're ginning up all of these um, you know attack ads that are filled with uh, lies, and those will be going into the kind of media that young people do uh, see. So those ads and those you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen some of them, but yeah, they'll be the guy who did the Swift Boat ads that got Carrie is signed on. For Trump? Yeah. I've seen every one of the Lincoln Project ads. Oh, yeah. Which are amazing. Mean, they're wonderful. There's so many wonder. I mean, Trump keeps writing uh, the ads for us. I mean, all you got to do is string together, you know, what he comes out of his mouth. But um, no, I, you know, younger people will see this stuff on their, you know, on their social media sites. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, the level of my concern has risen, uh, quite a bit and I, I'm really fearful because even if we do win, you know, first of all, the deck is stacked with the electoral college, right? So we can't, we know we won last time, 3 million more people, but we don't live in a, you know, a place that democracy. Yeah, we don't live in a democracy. So we've got to win, not only win, but win hugely. And I'm starting to think that I'm going to vote, <clears throat> excuse me, in person. Um, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm an old asthmatic, but I'm going... <laughs> And voting in person if I have to stand in line for hours because I want to make sure that my vote is counted that night because everybody is suggesting that the initial vote before all those uh, all those absentee ballots get counted, the initial vote could show Trump winning, and that's all they need. So... I, I I think a lot of people might want to rethink how they're going to vote. I don't know. Scary. May you live in interesting times. Dear God, yes. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Here's another. Here's another uh, quote. That was an old. We were told a Chinese uh, curse. May you live in interesting times. But here's a, a quote from Voltaire, which should chill your blood. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Think about that. Because we're starting to see it. Let me um, Bree writes, Lynn, do you remember the film A Few Good Men? Yeah. I always hear Jack Nicholson's voice from that film when he lectures from the witness stand. Yeah. What was it? You can't hand you can't handle I I I blanked on the quote now. You can't handle real the truth. You can't handle reality. Um, and Bree writes, the media are a business trying to stay afloat. Some media are critical. Most are just chasing advertising and subscribers. And, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. Margaret saying, I thought the same thing. I think I might just go vote at the polls. Yeah. I think that might be smart. Trump has, of course, uh, uh, darkly suggested that he might um, send troops to polling places. 
to ensure that this election isn't rigged. Um, <clears throat> that is so outrageous. Well, big shocker there that the head of the Joint Chiefs was asked, would you allow troops to be sent to polling places? And he flat out said, uh, no, that is not our job. Which doesn't mean that he can't take national guard. I don't know. I don't know. You know, that would be uh, actually the Secretary of Defense was um, asked by some Democratic lawmakers uh, what he would um, do if there was an attempt to use the military um, in any way in this election. And he has not responded. All these things that we thought were like, you know, never, ever going to happen are happening. And so I fear that we have been so lulled into feeling safe in this country that nothing could happen here, that we're not mentally I know I'm not I, mentally prepared for where we are heading. Uh, really. Father Joseph writes, two points. One, I'm not sure night protests are particularly helpful. Boy, do I agree with you. If I could, if I ruled the world, I would tell these Portland guys to stand down. It just doesn't seem to be um, having any good effect. I think <clears throat> you don't want to ever give their side, <coughs> excuse me, well, okay, let me just read what Father Joseph said. I'm not sure... <clears throat> night protests are particularly helpful, not because they are wrong in themselves. The problem is that radical elements can incite physical violence and commit acts of property destruction. Violence that is connected with demonstrations certainly plays into Trump's hands, right? The more strategic option is to focus on peaceful protests planned by someone akin to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference of the 60s Civil Rights Movement, no plan plays into Trump's hands. By the way, I think the quote, this is Trump's America, is a, is a perfect response to keep America great or make America great again. And, you know, if he had done what he promised, which was to make America great, his slogan the last time around, why does he have a slogan this time, make America great again, when he's showing what America's become with all this carnage? I mean, it is such a muddled, makes no sense campaign they are running. It is smoke and mirrors, and anybody who has the ability to see and think critically cannot fall, fall for it. Unfortunately, there's an awful lot of people who cannot think critically, cannot think for themselves anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. Point two, I hate to say this, but I think there tended to be a certain level of arrogance in the media uh, pre, the pre-Trump presidency the press takes great pride in being the fourth estate which holds public servants accountable. Trump did something very savvy, perhaps unintentionally. He is questioning the press's accountability. 
Yeah, well, that's part of the autocratic playbook. And he's done that very well. The press isn't used to having its estate status critiqued. As a result, its response is to enter into a, oh yeah, no, you're the fake. We aren't fake news and we'll prove it by chasing down and focusing on all the lies in your tweets. Meanwhile, back in the rest of the world, issues get overlooked, rational discussion is ignored, and salacious so-called news is the norm. Exactly. And this is what, what I was saying. Media has fallen into his... And they're, they're reacting to him. That's all he needs. They're reacting Yeah. Um, what do I have here? Excuse me. I want to share this one story with you just because, again, it just shows us, uh, for the people who think, who, who said it? Nikki F. and Haley said this is not a racist nation. Pence said there is no systemic racism. These are blatant lies. This country was founded as a racist nation, and it has never ceased. It's just a story, I'm going to tell you, about what happened to one man. Excuse me, man, I'm screaming so much, I'm losing my voice. This guy's name is John Henson. He um, he got a raise uh, four years ago, and it was a big raise, and he was so excited. He lived in Milwaukee, and he thought, man, I'm going to go buy myself this great you know, watch that I saw at some jewelry store. And so he called up a jewelry store, excuse me, Um, in a suburb of Milwaukee called Whitefish Bay. Uh, Those of us who know Whitefish Bay have always called it White Folks Bay. And he called this jeweler uh, to ask about their hours. And the employee who took that call hung up after telling him the hours and called 911. Oh, did I tell you John Henson was black? Okay. A guy calls and asks, what are your store hours? She tells him, and then she calls 911. And she reported to 911 that she had just fielded a suspicious phone call. And she said it was from somebody who didn't sound like it was a legitimate customer. John Hansen proceeded to go to the store. He drove up to, out to White Folks Bay. And he waited outside the door, which was locked. The door had been locked because the employee had seen him coming to the door and locked the door and ran into the back and called 911. A black man was standing at the door of the jewelry store. I am hiding in my office, she said. All of this is on, you know, audio recording because 911 keeps the audio. <clears throat> I am hiding in my office. I don't I don't want him to see me out here. We're pretending we're closed. The police came. And they went up to John Henson, <clears throat> who explained he wanted to buy a watch. And one of the officers said to him, uh, I noticed your vehicle has dealer plates. And he said, yeah, the dealership had given him the truck. Uh, 
through a business arrangement. The cops think, huh? And then they look at John Henson, who, by the way, is six foot nine. And they put two and two together. A dealership gave you a... Oh, my God. He's a Milwaukee buck. He's an NBA player. Yeah. And he'd just gotten a contract extension. And he was feeling really happy. And he'd gone to buy himself a gift. He never told him. He was a basketball player because he has said, why should I have to? What difference does that make? Clearly, one of the officers figured things out, uh, relayed a message to the store to open the doors. The employee initially refused and then said, I'll only I'll only let him in if you come too." And so he went in with the cops. John Henson didn't stay. He left. He got into the car. And he burst into tears. He said, I cried. I had to let it out. It was something that I never thought would happen to me in this day and age. From there, he went and made a series of appearances at Milwaukee schools telling them his story, showing them what systemic racism looks like. You know, you <clears throat> you read this kind of thing, and he fully understands that because he's a basketball player, a professional basketball player, he gets to tell this story. He didn't end up dead. He didn't end up paralyzed. He just ended up humiliated. And he can tell his story. All the other black men in America who have these things happen to them on a daily basis do not get to tell their stories. And even when some do, it is so clear that so many Americans won't listen, can't hear. And it goes back to what I started with. Because it creates a dissonance in their heads with what they need to believe, which is, as Nikki Haley told them, there is no systemic racism in this country. As Pence told them, there is no, we are not a racist nation. And so you've Drink the Kool-Aid because you don't have the courage to deal with reality. You can't handle the truth. Is that the, yeah, because you can't handle the truth. And because so many Americans cannot handle truth. We are now living in this craziness. Is there still a caller there, Amy? I'm sorry, and I know we're over. 
But if there is, go ahead. I guess not. Okay. Hello. Oh, hi, hi. Go ahead, please, quickly, because we're actually out yeah, of time. Um, I, you were talking about the electoral college and all that. Yeah. And the election general. It's a different playing field than before. Let's not confuse <laughs> like last time. Uh, Biden's ahead in the battleground states. Trump, the direction of the country, 58% think we're going the wrong way. So there's a lot of things that are in red flags for Trump. So, and another thing, they, everybody says about these undecided. Well, there was a political science professor that said he didn't believe in undecided. He thinks that most, and I believe this, always believe this, six months ago people knew who they were going to vote for. Three months ago, whatever it was. It's probably in stone now. But there's a little bit that could change. But I think Trump is up shit crick with a paddle, and I do believe that. The only thing that concerns me is the radicals on you know, if he cheats enough, which I don't <clears> think he has enough <throat> leeway to cheat this time. Where last time, people... <clears> I hope you're right. I God, I hope you're right. I think it's completely different. I think we're so gun-shy now <sighs> with scaring we're going to lose. I, I really do. And well, I, I just think we're going to pull it off. I really do. I so, hope so. Maybe a little word of encouragement. Okay, thank All you. All right, well, okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Boy, have yeah. things changed. This is You're the guy who was always so negative. God. God bless you. Try to buck me up. Okay, I'm going to take my ragged voice. God, excuse me. (coughs) And go. And, um, guys. All right. um, Hey, thank you. (coughs) Thank you. And I'm sorry for hacking and coughing in your ear and and all of that. Um, Be safe. Be well. Be strong and take a break if you need to, but you can't sit it out. You can't. Uh, Pace yourself. We all got (sighs) to hang in there. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.